Abstract with Clark and Alyssa. Do you know mm-hmm. what the maybe best or maybe worst ever karaoke song is? I feel like I got a little teaser of it just a moment ago. Tequila. Tequila. <laughs> it's the only word in the song and it only happens <laughs> twice. I saw a video. Oh, uh, of that guy doing it? Yes. Oh, he sells it though because he's so confident. Tequila. Tequila. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that song's been around for so long. Why have I never seen that? It's it's so funny. Yeah. I, why have I never thought? Uh, I mean, I, I give a lot. Of, I don't do a lot of karaoke but when i do Mm -hmm. i am filled with anxiety trying to remember whether this song has a guitar solo in the middle that i'm going to have to stand there awkwardly for or if it'll repeat the same phrase like 20 times at the end so terrible also totally clips of the heart very long song yeah i mean i I try to pick ones that aren't going to be terribly long and that don't aren't like half guitar solo yeah that's good call which I mean, I don't have a good pick. I don't. I don't karaoke much because really, what you, are your top as three? As you can tell, I'm <laughs> filled with anxiety when I do it. So Which, I don't even. I, I've heard you sing so many times, but so rarely has it been karaoke. Because it has hmm. happened fewer times than I have fingers on my left hand. <laughs> wow. I don't like it. <laughs> she has seven fingers on her left hand. That's why she <laughs> specified that one. It's real weird. <sighs> I don't like it. Hmm. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah, <laughs> I I don't go out of my way for karaoke either. But I did do it for a bachelorette party this summer. I think the last time I did it, it was it was when we were trying to stall uh Dan's now wife Courtney because he was like setting up their proposal stuff so we just ah. had to stall for time so i did karaoke clark fill, fill for time it was it was terrible it was what terrible. was your song what did you do uh it was a duet with ann harrington and it was some disney duet um can you feel the love tonight no it was something like a whole that. new world a whole new world it it's was gotta a whole, be a whole, new, whole world. new world yeah it was terrible it was terrible neither of us could find the key neither of us could find the time it was it was so bad it was so so terrible <laughs> we uh we did um Ugh. i think it was i want it that way nice okay and it was all three of us the bride wanted to do it and she didn't want to do it alone and it was like all right <sighs> I'm, it is your bachelorette party we are doing this we're talking about chapters 28 and 29 of cobble to fire but yeah the madness of mr crouch uh let's just let's get into it what happened what what happened? <laughs> In this chapter, the trio learns that Winky has kept some of Mr. Crouch's secrets just before Hermione gets them kicked out of the kitchen. And Harry learns that the third task will be a maze and Crumb grills him about Hermione before Crouch stumbles upon them. And he's clearly crazed. And so Harry runs for help. And by the time he and help arrive, Crouch has disappeared and Crumb is stunned. Hmm. And by stunned, I mean like knocked out. Yeah. Not surprised. (laughs) Yes. So more house elf madness, chaos. 
Yeah, whoa. This <laughs> I'm I overreacting. Sorry. Don't remember really liking this chapter that much, but I really liked it this time around. Uh, what about it? A lot, a lot happened, but it didn't feel like blocking. I felt like everything mm. felt somewhat natural. There was a lot of time passing in it. I mean, we we clearly like we got our Easter egg in the middle yeah. to show like yeah. it's now like April ish. Yeah, <laughs> you just had there. Christmas, but a lot of time just passed. Um, and then the the end with all of the you know trying to track down Mr. Crouch and all the running around and everything felt it reminded me a lot of uh, the scene at the Triwizard Tournament with a lot of people in charge trying to solve the problem all the there was a lot of exposition but yeah it all felt like everybody was trying to figure out what was going on and it made sense that they would be saying the things that they were saying yeah like a new character enters the scene and they're like what's going on and they're like oh quick recap and you're like thank you and and it wasn't a recap that you already knew yeah as the reader it was like a good informative recap yeah yeah so i don't know it just seemed really it was a really long chapter but it seemed at the same time airtight to me yeah it was very long um the scene with the like house elves in particular lasted a while especially because we didn't really actually learn anything from it like winky keeps mr crouch's secrets it's like okay like what how is that actionable like what do we do about that <laughs> I think I mean I, I think more than that happens. I mean I tried to keep the synopsis pretty tight even though I probably could have written it, like it twice as long yeah, yeah. for this chapter. I think in the kitchens we get a little bit more the I think the fact that Harry gets them kicked out matters in that. That Hermione does? Or excuse me, Hermione does. That yeah. that she sees all of these, I guess, who who is who is she trying to make unhappy? She's basically t- like... Uh, like you have a right to be unhappy. Just, oh, it's because yeah. Winky uh, drinks herself unconscious and they cover her up... With a sheet. With yeah. like, like yeah. a great British bake-off Red <laughs> Kingdom, like she's a corpse. Yeah. yeah. And just like nothing to see here. And she's just like, if you, you can let her be sad it's okay that she's sad like and they essentially say she has no right to be sad when there's still work to do yeah and and so interestingly hermione defends her sorrow even though her sorrow is over the fact that she's not working working for crouch but yeah i think hermione picked uh she like kind of picked her hill to die on and it was the wrong hill like of all the points to really step down and be like, no, I, I think she picked it at the wrong time in the wrong way. Yeah, for she's, sure. She's still. I mean, it's just it reemphasizes that she's just she's not listening. She's not really interested in hearing yep, their yep. perspective because she doesn't trust that their perspective is uh, informed. Yeah, she's I guess. convinced they're all brainwashed enough and and indoctrinated enough that they don't know what's good for them. So. And yeah. I, I mean, I, I see that perspective. I think it's, uh, I think there's a fair concern there, but at the same time, I, uh, she's, she's not trying in a way that's going to convince them otherwise. No, Shouting at no. people, you should be angry, isn't going to do anything. <laughs> you should be angry. And they're like, okay, well, we are now. We're so. not. And you're bothering us. Yeah. So please leave. <laughs> 
and they all just push them away and their hands reaching up to the smalls of everyone's back because that's where they can reach yep so there's that and then there's the fact that yeah we learned that winky has some secrets of mr crouch Hmm. and we don't learn anything about what those secrets are but i think um i i We've already sort of had some questions about who this character is. Who is Mr. Crouch? And is, is he, he really like as clean cut as he appears to be? Or and, does he have skeletons in the closet? And yeah. we've learned about some of those skeletons. And apparently there are even more. That, and and so like, yeah, I, I yeah. think that that reveal from Sirius, the, the chapter before that, you know, he had this, this, uh, violent rising, essentially, mm-hmm, where he mm-hmm. he was a a lawful good that didn't always do good because he was so lawful, and he like his son died or something. I forget. It's been a long time since I've read that. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> so his son was a Death Eater. Oh, okay. He yeah. sent him to Azkaban. His son died in Azkaban, and. And Sirius told the story of he saw Crouch and and his wife come into Azkaban to say goodbye, and he didn't. They didn't even bring the body back. Like they buried Uh, the body. I remember that. He's like heartless man. Yeah, let his son die in the loneliest, saddest place in the world. Sad. Okay, I'm remembering now. So, and so he's got all of that, and then Winky gives us a little insight into there are more skeletons. We just don't know what they are. Wow. Beyond. What series knows? <sighs> this river runs deep. Yeah. Real deep. So I think that that's the benefit of it. I mean, clearly, then when we see him at the end of the chapter, like... It makes sense that he's been driven to madness. Well, he's been yeah. through some things. And oh, he says yeah. at some point that he's escaped. He so escaped, and he said he made a dumb... He did something dumb. All my fault. Birth all of Jorkins. Fault. All my Dead. fault. Yeah. Yep. Harry Potter... He's Voldemort. <laughs> Voldemort getting stronger, you know, all that jazz. Yeah. So like a lot of like, I mean, man needs to uh, buy a verb, but. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, he does. But he's, and and then he's switching back and forth between this like crazed, able to, like, it, it almost reminds me a little bit of the night and day difference that we saw between Triolani mm. in the last book. Of of oh, where she would switch into like tantric mode. It happens mode. tonight. Blah, yeah, 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 yeah. That thing. Uh, it's almost like this weird bipolar moments of clarity type deal. Yeah. yeah, and and I just and the other when he's seems a little more able to produce verbs, he's clearly in a, at a past time. Yeah, he's, he's still talking about like the beginning of the tournament. Well, he's talking about the beginning of the tournament and dictating to Weatherby. Which is, which is Percy. How he's he, called Percy. Which is amazing. And and then talking about getting his son and his wife. Hmm. And and so I, I sort of wondered when I was reading that is... Ooh. Yeah. Is he talking about Percy or is there a pre-Percy Percy named Weatherby and that's why he's calling Percy Weatherby? Ooh, that's was a- he already kind of crazy? When we first started to meet him. Ooh, I like this theory. That's good. He, yeah, know. that would make sense. And like how many, huh. we don't know how long it's been since the last Triwizard Tournament, but it's oh been boy. a while and maybe he was around in the last I don't see why not. One. He's pretty old. I'm, I mean, it's, it's like maybe uh, 50s-ish. I mean, he really? could have. I, I pictured think, him far 60s? older in my head, yeah. I don't, he could have been around, yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, he's got a son who was a Death Eater. That would have been, hmm. um, well, it would have been 14 years ago because Harry. So Snape's age, 14 years ago. So I mean, middle hmm. aged to maybe, maybe, maybe senior citizen. So maybe. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I just sort of wondered. I don't like. Is he conflating two realities, or is this a past reality? I kind of like this idea of. I like the past reality thing. Yeah, of, for sure. Of him never learning Percy's name, and from the get go, I think he's probably mixing thinking them. He's Weatherby. Yeah, I whoever think this Weatherby is. He's definitely got to be mixing them because he talked about like Madame Maxine and his wife and son in the same mm. like blend. So I mean, right, Maxime? I forgot she was in there too. Yeah, yeah. Oh man! And Hagrid is bitter about that, but I think that's next chapter. Um, uh, no, that's this chapter. Is it? Um, yeah. Oh yeah, because we see Hagrid at the class oh, with man. the Nifflers. We yeah, we see Hagrid with the Nifflers, and he buries Leprechaun Gold. Mm-hmm. Which where is he getting Leprechaun Gold? Oh, a bet for sure. But it disappears pretty quickly. Like that's he's got to uh, get that pretty quickly. Hmm. Did, did it talk? Did it say anything about rain like the previous night? Did he fight a leprechaun the previous night at the well, end of a rainbow? Maybe because then he buried it that night. Harry was like up at the Owlery, and rather than going back to the common room to listen to Ron and Hermione bicker, yeah, he just like leaned on the Owlery porch like Charlie Brown and watched <laughs> Hagrid bury a bunch of what he didn't know at the time, but leprechaun gold in his Love garden. It. Yeah. So he very well could have fought a leprechaun or, well, he could have made bet a bet with the leprechaun too. But would you bet on your class plan? I mean, what else are you going to do with Nifflers? Like, I'm, I'm sure this is, I, I like the idea of him betting for it, but I think, I think he's scared enough to like run a tight ship after yeah. Grubbly Plank that he's not going to risk losing the leprechaun gold. I love how this is what you focus on. Out of everything in this chapter, you're like, how did he get this gold? Well, it's just, it's got to be on such a compressed time period. And we learn in this chapter that leprechaun gold disappears. And poor Ron is devastated about that. Yeah, that whole thing is real awkward. We get this whole moment where, like, Ron's like, oh, it must be great to just lose, like, 40 galleons or whatever. And Harry's like, I don't know if you remember this, but there was a riot. Like, <laughs> and, like it was pure chaos. There was a little bit of, like, yeah. Uh, what happened? Someone cast the dark mark, and they're not sure who it is. Yep. That's, yep. And yeah. it caused, like, a riot. So. Yeah. It was a bit of a busy night. Yeah, a little bit. A <laughs> little bit. But so. it's also a fair point from Ron that, like, he would notice if he lost 40 galleons. Oh, absolutely. 40 galleons is a lot. Like, it's not just because you weren't paying attention that one night doesn't mean you're unaware of the m- money that you have Yeah. For the from that point on. <laughs> like This is another chapter where Ron wasn't great because when Hermione was getting all the hate mail, Ron's response was essentially like, told you so. It's like, dude, you're such a jerk. Always. What is your deal? Like, because she, like, you know, she got pus all over her hands and he's like, well, told you this would happen. And it's Shouldn't like, have done it. It's and like, yeah, dude, it's, he's. You're the worst. <laughs> it's not great. I'm trying yeah. to think. And I mean, the the one moment that I'm happy about with Ron in this chapter is when he's trying to talk about the leprechaun gold. Mm-hmm. No. Was that it? When he says, when, when we weren't talking, 
this oh when he was talking oh that might be next chapter when he's talking about <laughs> fred and george and yeah that's next chapter yep so there's no redeeming moments in this chapter for ron eclairs that's what it is more eclairs food. he did summon more eclairs uh i like that the the house elves this is going back to the very beginning but they just brought like harry an entire ham mm-hmm. so like good old snuffles is just gonna get an entire ham and i just pictured snuffles nine on the ham bone with the big old smile on his doggy face i'm just trying to think Makes if i were 14 and had a, a godparent in hiding that i was shipping food to mm-hmm. i'm trying to like i hope that i would be slightly more practical in the food that i would choose instead of like ham and like puff pastry yeah yeah that's pretty rough or or uh, cheese that will go bad very quickly like yeah i'm just assuming there's some sort of preservation technique that sirius knows it's maybe with all the magic he's not really doing but then like (laughs) also i love how harry has been instructed like don't send hedwig back to me because if a snowy owl Mm-hmm. Keeps going to the same mm-hmm. place. It'll be really conspicuous and people are going to start wondering what's over here and they might find me. Especially if it's carrying packages. Yeah. He didn't say especially if it's carrying packages. But uh, now he's sending three owls together <laughs> carrying a giant ham that's a very south good of Hogsmeade. Point. It's like, that's not conspicuous at all. Yeah. No. I didn't even <laughs> think about that. Like, that's really funny. Uh, someone's going to notice and they're going to think that they're very popular with lots of friends from far-flung places. Look at all these different owls. Wow. Huh. <laughs> a ham. Okay. It's very strange. That's oh, really funny. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know how Sirius is like staying so close to everything. I think that's like super risky. I know he's outside of the town and stuff, but... And he, and well, and nobody dog, knows he's an animated. He's in a cave Okay, and... yeah. He's fine. I mean... The, the bigger risk, I think, is poor um, Buckbeak, who I don't think can stretch his wings at all. I do feel bad for Buckbeak. Yeah. Hopefully he can fly at night sometimes. Maybe. Above, on a cloudy day, maybe. I don't know. They're right by mountains, though. I mean, flying near a tall thing is sort of dangerous. Yeah, that's true. You I might. don't know. I'm, he's, he's a pretty smart dude, though. Can we go back to the Nifflers real quick? How cute That's are they? Of course. How cute are they? Apparently not cute enough to be one of your favorite quotes. <laughs> okay, there is one quote where a Niffler stuck his little nose in Harry's ear it and it was cute. super cuddly. And I'm like, well, that's that's cute because like I really liked the Fantastic Beasts interpretation of Nibblers. Like I, I like the direction they went in that movie as opposed to kind of more how they were described in the books. Um, where it's like essentially a platypus. Diving like seals. Yeah, yeah. The dirt. They're, yeah, they're super sweet i i don't remember really caring much for them the first mm. time i read this i they sort of remind me of like otters yeah for sure yeah otter like yeah which otters are wonderful so i don't know why that didn't quite hit my sweet spot yeah, but I don't know. yeah i think the notion of like um ron's like i want to get me one of these mm-hmm. and and hagrid's like your mother would not be okay with this they tear <laughs> houses up and I'm like sure. that was enough of a warning for me as an as a small child reader of like mm, i don't want a pet that like totally destroys my house no thank no, you. no pass as 14 year old me that worked on me i don't think it would work on ron i think he still <laughs> wants a niffler yep i mean i i guess what ron must realize is like they're not just spawning these things out of nowhere like if if the niffler brings you something it's because it has been taken from someone (laughs) but whatever 
Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about Hermione's hate mail. Really? Okay. A little bit. Not a lot. I just, um, she's, so she subscribes to the Daily Prophet and she's all excited to get the Daily Prophet, which like good on her because Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. she learned very soon on that the best way to get your news is by reading it yourself, not getting it through social media. Yes. (laughs) Even though I don't like supporting the Daily Prophet specifically because they continue to fund Rita Skeeter. I mean, they're not, they're not the best paper, but if it's the best, they're not a fantastic paper yeah but they may be the best paper around so Hmm. what do you do then i mean i i would much rather i guess just send many letters to the editor of like you get you get the good like the best that is there to be had and yeah don't throw the baby out with the bathwater with skepticism like which is i mean we can count on hermione to read that with skepticism yeah okay so what what about hermione's hate mail so yeah so the witch weekly article spurred a bunch of hate mail for Mm -hmm. poor Hermione (laughs) and initially the first round was just a whole bunch of like little old ladies raging at her and my first thought was why why did no one send her a howler and I I didn't remember that later in the chapter she gets a couple of howlers and so that makes sense but I just wondered if it it just it seems so well written how much of this might be based on personal experiences for J.K. Rowling she got and i was sort of researching before this and i ran out of time especially because most recently she's gotten a lot of hate mail over the crimes of grindelwald casting and well which she doesn't do casting but she has um she could have said no she could have said no and she's taken some stances that were controversial so well and and she's certainly not been quiet in her tenure in the public eye yeah no Um, no and I just wonder, by this time, four books in, three books in, I, and this series didn't land softly. There no, were not a at lot all. of particularly Christian folks who had a lot of problems with mm-hmm. the premise. They and think that so, it's like literally destroying the youth. I yeah. ju- I just wonder how many of those letters were sort of written from a perspective of knowing what it's like to get hmm. hate mail to your home and read it at your breakfast table. Yeah. Huh. I honestly did not think about that, but I bet it certainly informed it. It just seemed so sharp. I I don't and, I don't think you dream that up without any context. And then also how like it you know, it got brought up to Hagrid and Hagrid's like, oh yeah, I got some of those. Yeah. And it's like, that must be like what it feels like when she talks to other authors, you know, where they're like, yeah, it happens. And she's like, no, but this actually like, it matters. It's not just like, eh, yep, part of the job. It's like, no, like when you're reading these letters, it's hard not to feel personally, um, not necessarily attacked, but affronted. Well, and the wounds had longevity with Hermione like yeah. that and that yeah. I mean that's frightening on all sorts of levels I mean you can you can mail a lot of scary stuff without magic oh yeah and yeah. I don't know if she ever got anything scary I'm I, I uh, wouldn't be surprised because I mean she got the pus so well, I mean oh you're talking Rowling yeah oh. I don't know if she ever got anything scary oh I'm sure she did I'm sure she did and so it yeah it just seemed it I don't have any anecdotes to back it up that that's real, but 
Um, mm. Then okay. the thing that surprised me about that is I sort of, I can be normalized to the general public being full of uh, un- unsubstantiated outrage. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But the fact that Mrs. Weasley sends Hermione a tiny Easter egg is troubling to me. Doesn't that feel like... It- <sighs> It's like when you see your relative post something on social media and you're like, oh, you really buy all of those articles and emails that get sent to you, don't you? Like, you're really drinking the Kool-Aid on this political stance or whatever, not realizing how how ignorant it makes you look. Like, the sort of thing where it's like, you know, if someone were to post, uh, without getting, like, too political, somebody saying, like, nothing but terrorists are coming across the border. It's like... There is, like, no modicum of truth to that. Like, regardless of your political party, all that, there are way, like, there are not thousands of terrorists pouring across the border ever. So it's like, if you see somebody, like, post that, you're like, oh, they got you. And I feel like that's kind of how I felt with Ron's mom of, like, oh, you bought into the bold stuff. So I want to push back against that. Okay, sure. Because I was trying to understand the Mrs. Weasley who we know, mm-hmm. who takes Ron's friends in like family, who Hermione stayed with the Weasleys for a while yeah. this this yeah. summer for the Triwizard Tournament. How much of this maybe doesn't have to do with the Witch Weekly arter- article and maybe has to do with how Ron has been fighting with Harry and Hermione? And, and how much can we put on like... Has Ron maybe said some unkind things to her about Hermione because of spew mm. or because of Harry and Ron or, or, or Harry and Hermione together and getting along and leaving Ron out of things. And the way he's maybe talking to his mother is shaping that poorly. Oh, boy. Well, I am looking for more reasons to dislike Ron. So I'm, I will say that's a, that's a good. I'm, I'm just theory. trying to. I, I have a hard time believing that Mrs. Weasley would believe an article without what while knowing Hermione. Yeah. uh yeah but then again there there is also the um she seemed to believe was it a howler or was it a letter i think it was a letter that she mm-hmm. sent about like all those horrible things that that about Harry, I had no idea that he cried every night. So I guess like she, she's established yeah, earlier in yeah. the book that she she bought into the Witch Weekly. Yep, and I think if she had already heard some murmurings of Ron and Hermione not getting along, you know, if Ron had mentioned some of that stuff to her, I feel like the Witch's Weekly article would just like solidify that of like, oh, Ron wasn't just being a whiny brat like he usually is. <laughs> this gal actually like is trouble. So yeah. I feel like it kind of goes hand in hand totally bummed me out though because man yeah Hermione is on the case of everything she is like my champion in this chapter I feel yep. like yep. and she doesn't deserve that <laughs> no but she did start a fight with <laughs> like someone who has like she should she knew this was a possibility and she turns around and she's like out for blood now yep and she is like I would love to see Rita Skeeter get her comeuppance. Every second of every day, yeah. she is <sighs> trying to figure out how Rita Skeeter's doing it. Real good. Any new theories? 
Oh, I should mention at this point, just I don't want to get through this chapter without mentioning this. I noticed Harry Potter's watch. Again. Again. I, I How wa- about that? I have not taken count, but I should have because it's yeah. an absurd number of times at this point. It really is. So I just want to mention to the listeners, caught it. I see it. It's going to matter. If it if it doesn't matter, then it's really dumb that they keep mentioning it. And did he throw it away in this chapter or next chapter? He took it off around the Nifflers. Right. Took it off, put it in his pocket around the Nifflers. And yes. this next chapter, he gets rid of it. And he's like p- falling asleep in Professor Binz's class. And he looks at Ron's watch because yeah, maybe he doesn't throw it away. He just knows his watch is broken. Yeah. But man, do they mention that a lot. So I at get it. At some point, it's going to matter that Harry doesn't know what time it is. Yep. That's really going to be important. So maybe maybe in the maze, maybe, you know, some other thing. There's going to be some sort of riddle or something like that. Whatever. Harry doesn't know what time it is. Good to <laughs> Does know. Does anybody really know what time it is? I don't know what time <laughs> it is. Uh, and I have it on like three separate screens in front of me. And I still had to check just now. Third task will be a maze. Any, yep. any ideas on that? Uh, I mean... There's going to be various obstacles, so it's like probably some sort of riddle, probably some sort of physical challenge, probably like, you know, kind of various types of challenges. I feel like the fact that they're going in one after the other, they're probably going to be challenges that reset between. Um, I don't know. I have a feeling that they're going to have to help each other in certain parts where someone gets stuck. They're going to group them up somehow. Uh, and there probably is going to be something timed. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, again, this is a weird one for people to observe. Kind of weird. They're going to be behind really tall hedges that they can't see. But, but it's on the Quidditch pitch, which has stands. So they that will are be above it. Probably elevated. I just don't so know how. It might actually be the best for spectator sports yet. Yeah, I just don't know how big of a surprise you can have in a hedge. Like, is there going to be some sort of big minotaur in the middle? Or I don't know what the deal is, but I like picture a soccer field and like I picture the corn mazes I've been through. And a soccer field sized corn maze is a small corn maze. I'm used to like acreage, like 70 acres of corn maze. And this is just like a soccer field. So. I'm not sure you need a big size if it's magical, though. Ooh, and also, yeah, that's true. Just because they're growing it, who's to say the walls won't shift? Ooh, they do like doing that. Yeah, we'll I see. Mean, I mean, that's Hogwarts magic right there. Yeah. I don't know. We'll we'll see when we know a little bit more. But I know it's going to be multiple challenges, and they're going to have to keep track of stuff. And, you know... I don't think the standard trick of just like leaving breadcrumbs is going to work. There's there's something else to it. Uh, and Harry has to learn stun spells for it too. So yeah, he sees that. Uh, Crouch comes out of the forest, like we mentioned before, babbling all this stuff. Harry so. Go- oh yeah, there's a confrontation between Crumb too. Yeah. So yeah, Crumb yeah. grills Harry about like what's happening between you and Hermione. I like her. What's up? <laughs> How do you think he pronounces? It says like Hermonini. Hermionini. Hermionini. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny. Um, which I am starting to feel bad for Crumb because I'm starting to think that like Hermione is not one to be pinned down for affection at this moment in her life. <laughs> like, no, she's probably like anytime <laughs> he tries to hang out with her, she's like 
obsessively researching ways to eavesdrop magically and yeah. he's like just talk to me you can eavesdrop on me anytime come right. on girl so it's not, even, it's not even that she like sees anything wrong with him she's just like entirely focused on this there stuff. are more important things right now yep. victor <laughs> but victor crumb has to like be begged into staying with crouch because he's clearly uncomfortable with it well which but before that, before Mr. Crouch even appears, I really loved that, like, once Harry and, and Crumb mm-hmm. got that out of the way, they kind of started to be like, by the way, like, you you, you don't suck. You seem cool. Uh-huh. And, yeah, uh-huh. you too. That, like... Which that means was... that Crumb, like, bought it entirely. Which, yeah. Yeah. Like, that was water over the bridge. I I believe you. Yep. And, and like... The thing that apparently, and we have evidence in this chapter, that was Dumbledore's whole goal of this, which was better relations internationally with other schools, was starting to happen before. Yep. yep. Before, yeah, what happens in the next chapter, essentially. Harry was having a famous friend that he got could be like all starry-eyed and starstruck about. And they could talk Quidditch about their, well, and then Ron could talk about Quidditch with Crumb, maybe. I don't know. I don't think Ron will ever get over that. No. Whatever. Ron needs to get over it. <laughs> Just whatever it is, he needs to get over it. So I want to know what you think happened before Cro- Mr. Crouch showed up and what happened to him after. Before he showed up? What do you mean? So he's, I mean, all of his crazy like everything. Where is Crouch like, been? What put him here? Yeah. Oh. Uh, he did something stupid. Uh, well, we know from next chapter that Wormtail did something, like rounded him up, I think. Um, I don't know. I think he was probably investigating Bertha Jorkins on his own and like Voldemort caught on to what he was doing. So Voldemort was like sending people after him. So he Crouch had to go into hiding and he was probably living in the forest. Probably. Uh... I don't know. Existence. Right. <laughs> but he seemed pretty scrappy. Like he had a beard and like he was dirty and he looked like a tramp. Uh, which, hmm. Do they, is tramp just a, a UK thing? <laughs> like, is that an okay thing to say? I don't know. Hmm. He's a tramp. That's all I can think of. Yeah. Long term oh. homeless person who travels from place to place as a vagrant. Oh. Huh. Interesting. Uh,. The word tramp became a common way to refer to such people in 19th century Britain and America. Oh, cool. Okay. Anyway, well, so yeah. saith Wikipedia, so say we all. But I think Crouch was, yeah, probably living in the forest, uh, some sort of hidden away place trying to stay away from Voldemort because he just, uh, he, was, he realized that he was diving in a bit too deep and learned some stuff that he was not supposed to know and knew that he was being chased. So he was trying to find his way back to Dumbledore but he probably got tripped up because they're like, you know, spider kingdoms and stuff like that. I think he's just no like, no big deal. No big deal. Spider <laughs> kingdoms and all this. I think he was just trying to get through the forest to get to Dumbledore and uh, just had a really rough go at it. Um, and now I think he's probably dead. So that's fun. Um, so sad. Who killed him? Uh, Voldemort or maybe Wormtail. Um, I don't know. That's more for next chapter. But yeah, not good. Somebody came and knocked him out and got him. It's possible to crouch attacked Crumb. I could see that. But I can see that too. He clearly yeah. was not no. in a right mind. Yep. And I don't know. 
Dumbledore is on the scene now, and uh, Snape had a hard time even letting Harry explain it, even though Snape Snape's just sucks. <laughs> like Snape's the worst. Snape's the worst. Well, Ron's the worst, but Snape's pretty bad, too. Uh, I think Snape's more the worst than Ron. I'm yeah. sorry. Really? Snape's yes. Voldemort. Here, where he just like sneers at Harry and is like, the headmaster's busy. Yeah. <laughs> and Harry's like, lives are at stake. Yep. <sighs> And thankfully, Dumbledore, like, hears or something and shows up anyway and mobilizes very quickly. I totally dig Dumbledore at the end of this chapter. Mm. I'm like, the general has arrived and he is getting stuff done. And there are people who are wanting to derail and wanting to pontificate and... And politicize. And politicize and derail everything. and, And he's like... No, Hagrid, focus. You're taking Harry mm-hmm. to the castle. I focus. Harry yep, castle yep. now. <laughs> like cuz Trump like not Trump. Whoa, Hagrid like picked up Kakarot and like was getting like real like violent about it and was just completely like okay. Well, yeah, scary Hagrid. Yeah, how believable is it that Kakarot would spit at Dumbledore over something like this? I have a hard time with it. Like I feel like I don't think it was an earned moment, to be honest. I mean, I believe he's filled with rage. Yeah. The the way that whole scene's written, he's like, I th- this has been an unfair tournament from the start. Mm-hmm. Look at all these things that you've done, mm-hmm. and now you've taken out my champion, who yeah. is my favorite student ever to have existed. Yeah. Clearly. And then he's bits on Dumbledore and I'm just like why aren't you cursing him like why is this not the moment that you come to fisticuffs uh boy because I don't Even you he's don't got to know that that's not but you don't see that in his actions that that he knows like I don't I still like I am filled with rage about you but I know not to cross you there's none of that he doesn't seem in that rational space. Yeah. I don't know. I guess the hardest time I have with this confrontation is like the fact that now they have to interact after this. And like, how do you interact with that? When it's like a guy spits and says, this is what I think of you. And then his bodyguard tries to take you out. And it's like, you guys have your coworkers. (laughs) Like, do they? I mean, in that moment, I think Karkaroff's like, we are out. Okay. You attacked my champion. We're done. Mm Hmm. We'll see. Which, I mean, I don't know what whatever magic binds Harry to the tournament. Hmm. I don't know what the ramifications would be for Crumb. I'm sure the same, which I'm sure means that it's not something that he would actually want to break. But I, I just don't think he's thinking rationally. Yeah. Which then ma- leads me to believe he would have attacked him at that point. But Yeah. It's... We'll see. We'll see. I'm curious to see how it plays out. But... Uh... That's for a later chapter. Yeah. And I guess the last thing that I wanted to talk about was Hagrid's talking to Harry on the way back to the castle. And he's he's so turned on this whole tournament. He's like, it's Mm -hmm. worthless and pointless. And all these people are terrible. And you you win it, Harry, because none of these people deserve to win it. You win it. And it's clearly that just Madame Maxime has totally destroyed all of his trust in yep. everybody. And it's so it's, sad to me. It's so sad. 
Yeah. And I mean, for Hagrid saying that all the hate mail and stuff wasn't that big of a deal, clearly, clearly that whole incident and uh, Madame Maxine and everything like that's that's really has messed with him more than he's letting on. I mean, I, I doubt that hate mail bothered him that much. I mean, a, a bit. I think more so the fact that Ma- Maxime would totally not. Yeah. And then the fact that she turns around and like kind of tries to get in his good graces again. And I don't know whether that's genuine of, you know, I've seen the other side and you're, you're a lovely person. Yeah. Or, or if the, we- I think she just like fond manipulative, I want to get, all the information out of you so that my champion can win. Like that's his theory that she's just Which trying I to pry information buy, from him. But I don't know. I don't really buy it either, but I, we also don't know her independent of him yeah. very well. We've. Yeah. I'd, I'd to like to think better of her. Him. Yeah. Okay. On to favorite quotes. <gasps> Long chapter. Yes. What was your favorite quote? Quote. Your favorite cloak. My favorite Clark. cloak. Probably the invisibility one. That's the one I know you about. Don't say. Really, I thought it would be more of a green velvet. You'd, you'd think if it can turn me invisible, then absolutely green velvet. Though green's not no, really my color. You would, you would want black. Yeah. Or gray. well, gray. <laughs> I'm covering for the fact that I'm flipping to my page. So that's why I'm talking. Or blue. Or red. Or purple. Purple, right? Mostly gray. <laughs> uh, my favorite quote was on page five fifty three. Flip, 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 flip. Shocked. I'm shocked. Shocked that it wasn't Niffler. Shocked. I looked through the Niffler ones and I'm like, I got, it was just be like so biased where it's like not even a good quote, but it just (laughs) has the word Niffler in it, you know? There we go. So on page 552, it says, um, let's see, Crumb is asking Harry what's going on with him and Hermione, and he says nothing. And it says, but Crumb glowered at him, and Harry, somehow struck anew by how tall Crumb was, elaborated. So <laughs> I like yeah. that, where he's like, like looking up at him, like, oh. <laughs> and then, the- <laughs> if I don't answer this well, I might, <laughs> I might not get out of this. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No one knows we're here. Uh, but the payoff is on page five fifty three, where uh, Crumb is like, so you have it, and Harry's like, no. And it says. Uh, Crumb says, you fly very well. I was watching at the first task. And thanks, said Harry, grinning broadly and suddenly feeling much taller himself. I saw you at the Quidditch World Cup. The Wonski faint, you really. So it's just like it pays off with now Harry's like, ah, ha, ha, we're equals. <sighs> yeah, I liked that. I liked that too. That was a really nice moment. Yeah. How about you? What was your favorite quote slash quotes? So I, I'm going to pick two. Yes. So the first one is when Harry's watching Hagrid bury the leprechaun gold from the Owlery. Uh, It's on page 540. Unwilling to go back to Gryffindor Tower to listen to Ron and Hermione snarling at each other, Harry watched Hagrid digging until the darkness swallowed him and the owls around Harry began to awake, swooshing past him into the night. Wow, that's a very illicit quote. I like it. I'm sorry. No, it's good. It's good. It's good writing. I I have a certain taste i have a type Um, (laughs) my other favorite quote i want your help with clark sure how are you at making lightning sounds Ooh, i'm pretty good at making thunder sounds okay that's i mean imagine your hedwig shooting lightning this is on page 549 okay (laughs) i am constantly telling the daily prophet mr crouch is taking a well-deserved break i would like you to interrupt me with lightning sounds (laughs) 
He is sending in regular owls with instructions. No, I haven't actually seen him, but I think I can be trusted to know my own superior's handwriting. I have quite enough to do at the moment without trying to quash these ridiculous rumors. Please don't bother me again until it's something important. Happy Easter. The, his letter got better imagining Hedwig shooting lightning <laughs> while he's writing it. Like, <laughs> leave me alone. Okay, I like it. I like it. <sighs> we need more Foley work in this podcast. Thank you for participating, participating in my gag. I tried. I tried. There <laughs> I didn't only... inform you enough until I was halfway in it. I'm sorry. That's okay. That's okay. I would have definitely had more panicked sounding thunder. <laughs> <laughs> more angry sounding thunder. That's okay. I like that thunder sound from Hedwig, though. Kind of like serene, but still like... Still like the, it's getting a point some across. business. Like... <laughs> <sighs> Well, we made it through a very, very long chapter. Yes. Congrats to us. Huzzah. We're going to do a speed run on this next chapter, which is chapter 29. It'll be pretty easy because this one doesn't have as much going on in it. Yay. So, yay. <laughs> chapter 29, the dream. What did happen? The dream. Dream, dream, dream. Mm. Um, nice. In this chapter, <laughs> struggling, <laughs> still like struck by lightning over here. Mm-hmm. Um. Thunderstruck. The trio theorizes about what the heck happened to Crouch. Mm-hmm. And Harry, in the middle of divination, has another dream with Voldemort and Nagini mm-hmm. and Wormtail. He runs to tell Dumbledore. And by dream, it's essentially like... A premonition. A premonition. Like, but like it seems like it's exactly what happened. So I don't know how he's... I don't know how he's doing that, but... Yeah. His, his powers just really aren't really aren't explained are they? i mean why can he do this Alyssa? magic why? um magic I, what i the third eye whatever uh trelawney's talked about boo i he think he also gets a third eye of course he does well i i really appreciated that this dream occurred in divination because having it in the middle of the night having it at the Dursleys, having it all like yeah. all the places that he's had it is really, um, I, I feel like it's easy to explain it away, mm. but when you're in a room surrounded by people who have, you know, in to varying degrees believe that this can happen. Yeah. Really validated it for me. They're like, no, that was real. Well, and there was the fact that like, because he was in the atmosphere that was conducive to like, dreams and it's like specifically meant to amplify that my cat is trying very hard to pull down a blanket um it worked really well in that like he had a vivid long-lasting detailed dream like his third eye was fully honed because Trelawney had actually created like the perfect atmosphere for it so props to her as much as that sounds like a hellscape to me <laughs> but uh well, and i just it worked yeah it really made me sad that Trelawney is the way that she is because how incredible would it have been if Harry had had that dream mm-hmm. in a classroom with a teacher who he trusted 
who was also educated in that kind of magic. And wasn't just delighted to hear that Harry had a terrifying premonition. Well, I, I mean, I think, I think it's fair to have a level of, of enthusiasm when a yeah. real thing happens in your classroom. Like, oh my gosh, this is a moment and it's a teachable moment and it's so rare that it happens. Like, yeah. I don't want to... Um, it just sucks for Harry. Criticize her too much for being happy about it. But yeah, clearly it's, it's too much glee. Like yeah. She has to temper yeah. it a little bit. But like, yeah. how wonderful would that have been if something like that had happened in um lupin's classroom that would have been amazing when he can suddenly turn around and even though he has an audience he can be like like we need we need i need we need to talk yeah like i don't have to run to dumbledore we can do this right now and then we can go to dumbledore like so i was just that was just really sad to me that yep bit wasted on that professor it could have been such an incredible trusting moment if only Trelawney weren't quite the way that she is <laughs> hmm. so i'm looking at the notes here and it says eagle wormtail voldemort and nagini were in the dream mm-hmm. what's eagle oh he like enters the house like he follows an eagle that flies into a window and oh. suddenly he's like flying through the halls and then he's oh it's like that cinematic moment where you can tell that they like she wrote that thinking about how it's going to be adapted into the movie kind of yeah yeah um the eagle is it voldemort the eagle yeah it's probably voldemort if they're all voldemort (laughs) (laughs) harry's watch is voldemort the eagle's voldemort Mm -hmm. like you everything's kind of looking like voldemort these days (laughs) i mean huh anyway sorry i forgot about the unattractive look (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, we can go back towards the beginning of the chapter. I just wanted to, I forgot about the eagle thing. Um, no, that's fine. I, yeah, I was trying to remember enough of the details, but not to not like overwrite the notes too. And I was yeah. like, I think the eagle was an interesting. Yeah. Maybe the eagle's element. the one who's been like following Crouch and all that too. You never know. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. Who could the eagle be? I also think Crouch could have been trapped like, or being held prisoner as well. And I feel like Wormtail's like, Maybe Wormtail accidentally let him escape, and that was his big mistake. I don't know. There's some mention of Wormtail's mistake, and it's like, well, probably letting Crouch get to the edge of the forest in the first place was his mistake. Yeah, his blunder. He his used blunder. blunder more times than he should have. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. was like I think three times Voldemort called <laughs> it your blunder, and I was like, mm, word mm, choice, too much. Find and replace. Yep. <laughs> like, yep. But. Uh, yeah, that's okay. This chapter is very much an exposition chapter. We find out that Fred and George are blackmailing, well, attempting, possibly blackmailing someone. <laughs> you walked that back very quickly. I did. <laughs> or blackmailing. Uh, ma- well, ma- they they were talking about blackmailing. I don't know what ended up in the letter. Someone said, that's blackmail. And then yeah. Ron's trying to sort of triangulate what that could be. He thinks it might have to do with their joke shop that they want to start mm-hmm. i think they're blackmailing like a competitor or um were they working with any professors or anything bagman or something might be bagman i think it might be bagman because bagman was the one somebody was really supportive of it and i think it's they won all their gold from bagman yeah but bagman was really begrudging and handing that over i don't even know if he actually did so maybe they're trying to get yeah. Their winnings out of Bagman? I think it's either Bagman or like a 
competitive joke shop owner or something like that. Should be uh, Zonkos. Zonkos, yeah, that'd be a tough enemy. But yeah, I mean that. It's definitely somebody that's willing to break bad and wouldn't want people to know about it. So it's got to be some sort of authority figure. Um, but it it's hard to say. It's like a it can't be a professor because you don't blackmail a professor. Like it's got to be something where you can feasibly blackmail them and think that you won't just uh, get wrecked. So. I don't know. Maybe Bagman. He also, seems like a powerful person to blackmail, though. I kind of can't imagine them blackmailing a professor with an owl. Yeah. In, in the yeah. school. Like, no. If if they're physically accessible, they're going to get that letter to them much more creatively. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Possibly Bagman. I, they're purposefully obscuring a lot of that stuff. I don't know. We'll see maybe there's breadcrumbs that I'm not picking up on, but for now it's like, well, then they'll tell us when they tell us. <laughs> That's kind of how I'm feeling about this, where it's like, eh, they'll get there. surprisingly patient. We're so close to the end of the book, man. We, yeah, we're it's, getting there's there. There's so many loose ends that need tied up at this point, though. They really need to start working on that real soon, please. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, Fred and George, they're doing something we'll see uh what else and i was a little surprised by how much i mean moody didn't actually give a lot of information to the trio about what happened to mr crouch mad-eyed moody yeah 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 he didn't he didn't actually give a ton of information but enough like i i as I have some experience talking to the investigators in the middle of an investigation and mm-hmm. they are always cagey and they always yeah. only give you like the barest bit of information that they have to give you. And then after that, it's like pulling teeth. You're never going to get it. And so it just surprises me that Moody, I, I forget even what information he gives him. It's like he, 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 it appears he, I don't remember what it was. Well, it's weird. So so when the trio goes to Mad-Eyed Moody, like they do ask him questions and he does give them some information, but it seems like he's really big into being like, no, but you just need to practice your spells. And yeah. it's like That was surprising to me when an interesting um an interesting contrast between him and Hagrid and Sirius because we get a letter from Sirius in yeah. this too back where Sirius is like I need you to promise me that you're not going to do anything stupid mm-hmm. and like just to be smart and you really need to be practicing for the third task mm-hmm. because it was not an accident that you are in this and they're running out of opportunities to take you out whoever the person is who put you into this tournament yeah meanwhile Mad-Eye Moody lead investigator and defense against the dark arts teacher is just like I think you're going to crush this one buddy like yeah, it's so weird like the, the constant vigilance but like come at it with your best and this is like mr paranoid but yeah we'll see i mean uh, he's got to know what's coming so maybe he actually is like you know <laughs> this plays like, to your strengths turns I, out so i mean awesome but yeah it's just and i mean it's i would hope that sirius would be a little more cautious because he is kind of the harry's parent figure but yeah yeah 
it's, it's he just, just really needs Harry to stay alive. And I'm sure if Moody knows if Harry gets focused on investigating, he won't prepare. And that's only going to hurt him when he gets in the maze. Yeah. He's too focused on what happened to Crouch. It's just weird. You'd think Mad-Eyed Moody would just be just more worried because that's just kind of how he is. Not, I guess I wouldn't say worried, but paranoid. Paranoid, you're, yeah. You're, the word yeah. you used earlier, yeah. Yep, yeah. So... <sighs> It's curious. Um, um, and the other thing after this, it's like, okay, enough people have nudged him to practice, so let's practice for this task. And he has to sneak into classrooms to practice magic. Yeah, they didn't give him like, I'm sure. Why aren't there practice rooms? Why aren't there practice? <laughs> exactly. I was wondering this that is too. A magical school. People need to practice their spells in safe places. Yep. It's absurd to me that it's off. You know, out of bounds for him to go into a classroom after hours to practice. And they're using like teachers' like wardrobes and stuff as part. Like, why? You go to any music school and there's practice rooms. Like, <laughs> anything. You go to a journalism school and there are like little rooms you can go off into. Like, it's, it is bizarre. And you'd figure for like a giant castle with rooms that they don't even know about, they would have room for, you know, a practice room. Yeah. It's but, so bonkers. But Harry like has to practice like somewhat in secret, which like you're practicing stun spells. Like, why can the world not know that you're practicing stun spells? Yeah. So I wondered if it was like they snuck into Flitwick's classroom to use the cushions because he didn't want the competitors to know what he was doing. Like, is but he's doing something like. He's practicing a stun spell. What is that going to give the competitors? Like, oh, might need to stun something. Like, of course you... Uh, I yeah. just... I don't get it. Like, it's not like Mad-Eye Moody... Did Mad-Eye Moody give him, speci like, specific stuff to practice? No. Why is he practicing those spells? Um, Hermione had a full list of, like, things that a person might need to know if they're in a magical maze. So he's not acting off of any insider knowledge. Nope. So, like... Wouldn't I, it be almost better if people did see him do it? So they'd be like, oh, we got to really focus on that. And Harry's like, eh, maybe. <laughs> like, yeah, I think uh, it's possible that he's trying to hide his tactics from the fellow competitors. But I think it's more likely that it's just off limits for you, for you to be in these places practicing. And it's just so weird. Strange to me. Especially as like someone who's competing in this like tournament where people die. Like, make some exceptions, people. Yeah. Formalize something. It's so weird. <sighs> but so. Hermione's being very, very helpful, especially for being in the middle of a whole bunch of stuff. She's being a good friend. And she makes Ron be Harry's practice dummy over yes. and over and over again. Yes. And finally she's like, no, he's got that thing. I don't need to be the person he stuns anymore. <laughs> so moving on to the next thing. <laughs> it is a nice bit of retribution. Yes. And I really do appreciate that. Um, the last things wow. to talk about, okay. I think, unless you disagree, are Dumbledore, mm. which I just really want to applaud Harry. We see him in back-to-back -back chapters mm -hmm. tell an adult. Yes. Yes. We are seeing character development. We, which is weird because I feel like he was more in over his head in previous books. You know, with giant snakes and all this crazy stuff when he didn't tell an adult. Whereas this is like, you know, some guy stumbles out of the wood and is like, go talk to Dumbledore. And he's like, okay, <laughs> like, sure. Why not? Well, but he says Voldemort and he says Harry Potter and he says 
Bertha Jorkins, who again, Harry has had no independent thought about. <laughs> Pretty weird. Pretty weird. Um, yeah. He remembers, but does not analyze. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just so crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't say that he's any less in over his head than, I mean, yeah, a giant snake is kind of um, flashy and and mm. terrifying on a physical scale. But yeah, yeah. Voldemort and Wormtail and the dreams that he's had, I mean, that's that's a new level. Yeah, I feel like he and understands the stakes a lot better Incredibly invasive. Like, it's one thing to hear a voice that no one else hears. It's another thing to dream premonitions. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess he does understand the stakes better. But he's doing the right thing. It's good. Uh, it's commendable. It's lovely. Despite, like, uh, who did he... So Dumbledore is talking to Fudge in mm-hmm. his office. And Moody's there, too. And Moody's there, too. And I think Moody's the one who's like, oh, well, good thing Harry Potter's here. He just entered and like... Well, he well he says, uh, Professor, I think we we should wrap it up because uh, Potter really wants to talk to you. He's right outside the door. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> like... what it is. Yeah. Yep. Uh, such a creepy eye thing. Uh, what and... I really... Yes. Before Harry gets to the door, he encounters Dumbledore's gargoyle <laughs> twice yes. in these chapters. Last chapter, he can't... His, his the password's changed and he can't get in so he just waits for somebody to open it from the inside and then this yeah. chapter he he runs through every candy that he knows and hacks <laughs> it and i just can't believe one that dumbledore would change his password that frequently when there's like i, I can't believe the headmaster would be that inaccessible that a student in need can't actually get the the I mean, they can still knock on the... Can you knock on a gargoyle? gargoyle. (laughs) I'm sure you can. I imagine the gargoyle would like spring to life and jump and knock back. I don't know. Well, Harry did kick it. And I loved the line where it says, and the gargoyle gargoyle remained immovable. (laughs) That's a good line. Doesn't seem very useful to do that. Um, But it's just crazy to me that he can't access... The headmaster when high he security, needs man, high security. And then on top of that, the Dumbledore's gargoyle is hackable. There's no like lockout limitation. Nope, you can nope. just go through every. This is a brute force attack, is what this is. <laughs> like, yeah, I can't believe magic hasn't advanced enough to like narrow your number of password guesses. Right, like yeah. our our phones have done that. Why hasn't a gargoyle? I don't yeah. know. Uh, it's... I, maybe he was getting close to his limit, but he certainly <laughs> certainly didn't seem like it. So, yeah, that was pretty funny. Uh, Bonkers. Anyway, so he hacks it with with cockroach clusters and ends up listening through the door a little bit to Dumbledore and Fudge's conversation. And Fudge is just like, kind of, he's not. I always picture Fudge. Okay. I know this is weird, but I, you know how there are the elves that make cookies? Mm-hmm. I always pictured him like the Papa Elf. Okay. And I think it's because Fudge is his last name. I'm going <laughs> to be honest. And I'm pretty sure that's the last name of the Papa Elf as well. Uh, I'm trying to think of who I... He's kind of cartoonish in my imagination too, but that's not it. He's... Um, he reminds me of like Bilbo from the original three movies when he's actually being like soft and kind and not creepy. But... uh What's the name of that Papa Elf guy? Anyway, listeners, tweet us at Word one of the Keebler Elves. Yeah, the Keebler Elves. Uh, I imagine him. I think I don't know what 
it's an older cartoon, like in the sixties mm. or something. Mm-hmm. One of, or like, no, as the, uh, the ringleader in Dumbo. Whoa. Okay. Huh. With a top hat. Yeah. 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 But the, but all in green. Ooh, I like he that. Has a, I think he has a green bowler. Yeah. Yeah. Bowler. Okay. I think he has a green bowler in the book. Oh, okay. And I think I translated that to top hat. See, I prefer top hat, but anyway, fudge. I, I definitely didn't picture him as someone who would be like so kind of like uh, blasé about like people dying and stuff. Well, he doesn't, to be fair, he doesn't know that Bertha's dead. That's true. He's about to find out. Granted, I mean, if, yeah, she's been missing for a really long time. So really he, long he has time. a really low level of alarm about this. And he's like, I mean, she could just go missing. It's not, I don't really mm-hmm. think that there's mm-hmm. much there. And. I I just it's really frustrating. Hmm. Should I say the political thing? I don't even know. Uh, I'm thinking no. I'm yeah, not feeling it right now. Probably not. Not feeling it right sometimes now. Sometimes journalists go missing, and sometimes politicians don't always act great about that. So she's not a journalist, though. No, no. But Bertha's not. No, but uh, but the the one to one comparison is almost uh, it's uncanny. Yeah, it's weird. <sighs> so anyway, it's just really frustrating that the leader of their country is not 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 stepping up to the need yeah and it sounds like dumbledore's pretty firmly like "Mm, come on we're talking about this thing it seems like that's what they're there to talk about what else would fudge be there to talk about i don't know well i mean there's still kind of a lot going on with the tournament and all that and and he probably was was there well fudge is probably there because dumbledore is like hey there's like some political disasters going on here. We need like a neutral third party to come in and, and moderate this or give his opinion or like no, try don't... and settle this whole thing down a bit. I don't think he's a neutral third party. I wonder if Fudge showed up mm-hmm. because he heard about things. I could see If it that. got to Fudge and Fudge was like, I, I, like, I yeah. need to control this crouch situation. I definitely... And then Dumbledore turns it on. How's the birth of Jerkins thing coming? Yeah, and also like all the political catfighting and stuff. I think it makes sense that Fudge is there. I th- they have no shortage of things to talk about. Yeah, but yeah, the Crouch thing, and then Harry gets in, tells everybody. It says Dumbledore defends Maxine. I kind of forget where that came in. It's okay. It's my favorite quote. Don't worry about it. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> um, uh, uh, so yeah, uh, Moody says we better wrap this up because Harry's right outside the door, and then the chapter ends on a cliffhanger. Sorry, I didn't mean to do that to you, except for I kind of did. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. I'm gonna go read the rest of it tonight, <laughs> and like almost finish the book. Any last thoughts before favorite quotes? Um. We already talked about Dumbledore and all that. I'm trying to figure out how Dumbledore or whoever is going to sabotage the game is going to sabotage the third round. Um, Like who has access to the third, like trying to figure out all the pieces, like, you know, who can we trust at this point moving forward? Like who can we? uh, I mean, it seems like Kakarot, it's kind of all bets are off because I feel like if he feels like he's being sabotaged, he's not going to hesitate to sabotage himself if he gets the opportunity. Uh, but I I mean, if that's the logic, I think that's going to be secondary to the greater. The actual person who has the whole plan. Yeah, he's, he might complicate, but um, he's not the main threat. 
I wonder if Wormtail got Harry's name in the hat. Come to think of it. Um, hadn't thought about that, but that is a small enough note that Wormtail could have, like, maybe... Huh. I just thought about that because there's a whole force field around it for age, right? Mm-hmm. And does that force field think about animals? Because animagis are really uncommon. There might be a lot of cats that suddenly have beards at Hogwarts. There might be. Because you know they're not respecting that force field. No, no. <laughs> you know they're going to test every boundary they can. Huh. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. Wormtail could have actually probably snuck in there as a rat and dropped a name in. Like, that's a very good job for a rat. Uh, hmm. So if that's the case, that means Voldemort is on it. Um... I don't know who he can trust. Madame Maxine has been cagey, but I don't I don't think she would sabotage stuff. I still think Rita Skeeter is a big candidate. Uh she's terrible. She's been laying low these two chapters. So yeah, yep, absolutely see what terrible. She can come up with. Uh Harry's watch is probably gonna come alive and try to kill him <laughs> with how much they talk about it. Uh might start talking to him like the diary. Yeah. It might. Oh boy, this this again. <laughs> the watch is Voldemort. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm curious to see the next chapter. This this chapter was not super informative that way. We'll see. No, I, I mean we we got a lot of the players in the same rooms together. Yeah, I still don't trust Bagman. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. Bagman is still real sketchy. Crouch is off the table. So, yeah, we'll see. Uh. Should we go on to favorite quotes? Or do you have closing thoughts about this? No. Okay. I'm, I'm ready to quote it up. We don't want to spoil stuff. All right. Let's do quotes. Yeah, no, it's dangerous, man. Uh, I'll <laughs> let you lead. Um, I did two again. Are you going to hate me if I do two every time? <laughs> no, that's okay. Whatever. Um, I Okay. So the first one is on page 570. Uh, and it's Hermione keeps scolding Ron for not remembering details from Hogwarts of History. <laughs> <laughs> and... And then she starts trying to think about how how could Crouch have left? Where could he have gone? And and Moody commends her, saying, Moody's magical eye quivered as it rested on Hermione. You're another one who might think about a career as an auror, he told her. Mind works the right way, Granger. Ah. <laughs> Just kind of liked that. Yeah, that's a good attaboy. Yeah. I like it. She She needs every... Every bit of support she can yeah. in all of the Ron criticism. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second favorite quote is on page 580. And it's Harry's listening through the door to Dumbledore and Fudge argue. And Fudge uh, throws some shade at Madame Maxime and how she can't be trusted. And do you know what she is? And Dumbledore responds, I consider her to be a very able headmistress. And an excellent dancer, said Dumbledore quietly. Aww. And I, I, I like... I forgot about that. I love that. I love the defense, but I also love said Dumbledore quietly. Mm. Like, he's not sharp. He's not... Uh, he's not going to fight about it. He's yeah. just going to state it almost fondly. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And matter-of-factly. I don't know. It's It's... It's a really lovely way to defend her that yeah. that is kind of hard to argue with. I don't know. It it definitely preserves her dignity. Yeah. Yeah. And and doesn't turn it into a fight over race essentially. Yeah. And yeah. 
It's just like, yeah, it makes the other guy look real simple and real caveman, like scared of scared of the other. You know, it makes him comfortable without saying it so plainly. Yeah. 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 So, wow, that's a really good one. Those are my favorite quotes. What are your favorite quotes? I like it. Uh, We talked about mine a bit, but it is on 579. It's more. Joanne's getting a little bit better with the quips. With the quips. Okay. So Harry is trying to get some passwords. Let's see. So it's a combination of. Harry trying to get to Dumbledore and uh, let's see. He's yelling at the dump, at the gargoyle and it says the gargoyle remained immovable. I love that. Like remained immovable. It's just like it's it's a clever little twist of like, of course, it's in the name immovable. It's always going to be immovable, but it's like it just doubled down on it. So it said Harry kicked it, achieving nothing but an excruciating pain in his big toe. Chocolate frog, he yelled angrily, standing on one leg, <laughs> which adds, I love that. He's on one leg <laughs> jumping around. <laughs> Sugar quill, cockroach cluster. The gargoyle sprang to life and jumped aside. Harry blinked. Cockroach cluster, he said. I was only joking. <laughs> I just love that. It's such a good, like, it's so dumb and so comedic, and they're not going to show it in the movie, and that's fine. But, like, it's so just, like... It's just like a slapstick moment, and it's really, I don't know, it's hard to get that right, but I thought this nailed it. Yeah, the only way that I would improve upon that would be when he says cockro- cockroach cluster again, I'd like for it to undo it. Like, oh, for it to jump back. <laughs> make, the, yeah. make the gargoyle jump back and forth. <laughs> He's like, cockroach cluster. Yeah. Anyway, very good stuff. Uh, definitely cliffhanger chapter. You you meanie head, but that's okay. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. How many chapters do we have left? Like six? It's Something. a little more than that, I think. Really? Um, okay. So next episode, we'll talk about two chapters. Okay. And then we have two more episodes after that, I believe. So three more episodes to go. Yes. And then we'll watch the movie. Yes. Two. and then, Yeah. And the last two episodes we'll discuss three chapters each hmm perfect so well hey three more we're I'm almost so there holy cow i'm so like, excited to finish this book it's been a long time we've taken our time with it i feel like this season has taken us like a year i mean it's very long so yeah. even if we hadn't like taken our time I, I i mean we might be done by now maybe yeah but yeah i don't i don't maybe not it's it's hard uh i'm half tempted just like when we're done with reading it at our pace just going through and reading it in like the couple days that i or the well for this big of a book the few days the week that it would take me to read this normally i Um, mean just to see how it all comes when this book came out i think i read it in a day so yeah but you probably didn't sleep much I mean, it's it's a pretty quick read. Huh. You know, her her prose is is easy yeah. to. But I'm excited to blaze through. Uh, I'm excited to see how it reads all in one go. Uh, but that's okay. We'll get there. So, if any of you at home have any ideas, I w- I want to know how did Hagrid get that leprechaun gold? Yes. I want to hear you tweet it to us at Wordstruck Pod or email it to us at Wordstruck 
podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also tweet Alyssa at Alyssa Small yep. or me at Clark Hodges. Uh, what's your top theory for how Hagrid got the got the gold? I think, I think that he has a friend who's a leprechaun, mm-hmm. and his initial plan was to like use it as a gift to Madame Maxime in some way. Oh, and so he was like sort of brokering this deal, and when the Madame Maxime relationship fell apart. Hmm. I mean, he'd already done all the work, so might as well teach about nifflers, I guess. I guess. I don't know. Probably had some spare nifflers. I guess the better question is, where did he get all the nifflers? That's that's a good question. <laughs> Those came in the vet. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I'm curious about that. I, I feel like uh, a leprechaun walked up to him with an armful of nifflers, and the leprechaun's like, ugh. These things are terrible. I will literally give you a hundred gold if you just take these things away from me. They've been plaguing my family for <laughs> centuries. She's like, I will pay you to get rid of these. And Hagrid's like, you'll pay absolutely. And then in leprechaun gold or real gold, <laughs> does it matter? I don't know if it matters to Hagrid. Yeah, I don't know. Money's not uh, something he's really talked about. No. So, yeah. Anyway. Anyway, thank you all for listening. We'll be back here in a couple weeks with uh, more Harry Potter talk. Yay! Goodbye! Yay.